2: That's, yeah, <laughs> they have asked for that, really.
3: Fans are going to the World Cup. Get
4: over This fellow Ronaldo is a cop. Boom, 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 foul. Boom, boom,
3: boom, yellow card.
2: Ah, that's actually a problem, sir. i have to use you to mind your language. And I suggest you show up and show more football, good lad. I don't draw teacups, it's not my style. I think I would rather throw punches. What you doing down here, you're man.
1: Hello there, you're very welcome to the Irish Times second captain's football podcast this Monday. Owen from Ken, are all here. Hi, hello there. I'm just going to drag myself away from watching Diego Costa vines long enough to present this show. I did some great stuff on here. These may have all already existed, but I'm just getting to them now in the back of his antics against Arsenal. Uh, quite a lot of just Diego Costa being Diego Costa, but the best is it's almost as though you know this question of how do you react to the hacker when you're playing New Zealand? How do you deal with that psychological power that's going to come mm. in your direction? There's a big question is, how how do you deal with Diego Costa? You know what he's going to do. It's almost as inevitable as a hacker happening before a game, and you've got to learn how to deal with it. I think if uh, the Arsenal players could have taken a leaf out of Jordan Henderson's book, and they might have done a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, he, Jordan Henderson is Diego Costa gets. Head on, you know, head on head almost with face to face with Jordan Henderson. I don't know which matches is from, how recent it is. Uh, Costa's, sort of, you know, mountain at him, mouthing at him, waiting for something to come back. Costa, or I should say, Henderson just stands there staring at him almost, you know, in a distant sort of fashion. Diego Costa eventually just steps back. He's just, I can't deal with this guy. He's just a rock. He's got he, no
0: emotion. He's. It's like this man has the soul of a rabbit. I'm literally just staring into the the eyes of a rabbit, who's six foot one inch tall and appears to be playing for Liverpool Football Club. It's like that's honestly what it looks like. And it's he just gives up, walks away. He goes, "This guy's no, no use. He's not going to get sent off." Does he even understand what I'm trying to do to him here? I've n- I've never encountered this before. You know, mostly guys get it. You know, when I'm trying to trying to get them going. I mean, obviously he. He had a, a special edge with Gabriel, you know. He was able to talk to Gabriel in the language he mm. he understands Portuguese. That is, and uh, not the
5: language of the wind up merchant. No, just <laughs> you're, you're
0: literally, you're not being, language. literally yeah, you're not the Portuguese being, language. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was saying some nasty little things with a kind of a smirk on his face, and uh, Gabriel wasn't smiling at all. And uh, he yeah, eventually ended up getting stuck in. I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, this, this whole question about Diego Costa, is this, does this help? You know, is this.
1: You can't take the fire out of Diego Costa. I mean, does it help him or does it help?
0: Does, does, does is Diego Costa helping his team when he does this? Oh, yeah. Or does Diego Costa need help to, you know, to sort out whatever it is that's wrong with him? Because it's just not, it's not the type of behavior that you used see. I mean, the, there was, there was a lot of, um, there, was, there was a lot of back and forth after this, you know, Arsene Wenger had a full-on onslaught against Diego Costa after the game, saying it's, it's a disgrace, it's ridiculous, we need to stamp Diego Costa out. And Jose Mourinho came back uh, with, a, with a fairly robust defensive we can, we can hear a little bit of Jose Mourinho, right. actually. Um, well, you've got to bear in mind here, remember in Alex Ferguson's book, he talked about his favorite type of question to get in a press conference? Really long ones that gave mm. him a chance to think of an answer. Exactly, so in this one I think it's Andy Burton we're not going to play the whole question, but I think it's Andy Burton from Sky Sports who outlines the whole situation, he kind of describes it uh, you know, says he could have maybe got three or four red card, or yellow cards, having described all the things, custody, you know, double-handed uh, shove into the face uh, backhand, forearm smash into the face uh, chest barge to the <laughs> ground uh, followed by God knows what, horrible things, uh, muttered <laughs> under his breath into the ear of of Gabriel, uh, but it was obvious that Jose Mourinho thought of a, his answer very early in this question and sat there with a sort of, um, I would describe as a, almost a Robbie Keane goal face, um, a kind of a, a, a smug smirk, waiting for the question to finish
4: before delivering the following repast. I can guess that when you were a kid, you were playing badminton. I'll play rugby. Badminton. I'll play rugby. Ah, you didn't play rugby. Don't like, play rugby. Play, play badminton.
3: It's a great, it's a great sport. Badminton is a great sport.
4: Man of the match for me. No red card. Of course not.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's Jose Mourinho there. We're
1: taking none of Jose Mourinho's. Nonsense there. You're trying to deflect the question. Well, of course, is yes, but I do. Do you think I ever answer you directly?
0: No, he's not going to. I mean, what what a hard... He is one of football's most notorious hard men, Jose Mourinho. Not Andy Burton. Uh, no, no, not Andy Burton. Uh, the apparently formerly rugby-playing Sky Sports News uh, journalist. Um, no, uh, Jose Mourinho, I mean, football's hard men. You know? Badman, he wouldn't have been a badminton type of a guy. Um... But, you know, Mourinho's opinion, I mean, he referred to rugby there, rugby, he's, he's got a lot of respect for rugby. And uh, I think he made that clear. Because he, he went on and, and people kept asking about Diego Costa and he kept defending him in that sort of over-the-top way, I mean, you know, matter the much for me. Um, but he actually did get a little bit annoyed then. And he, I think you can hear, he started to mm, get a little, flare up a little bit, but let, let's, let's uh, have a listen to that.
4: I think you should speak about Gabriel Paulista good player. You should speak about him and about his mistake. If you want to speak about Diego Costa with me, if you want to speak about Diego Costa with me, is just to say he played like he has to play. And that's why you have full stadiums, you sell to televisions all around the world for millions and millions because the game has to be played like that. Okay? And that's why Tomorrow, I couldn't go yesterday. I go tomorrow for what I consider comparable in terms of dedication and passion. New Zealand against Argentina. I go tomorrow because I love it.
0: That was Jose Mourinho um, beating his chest there. Loves the rugby. At the end, yeah. Um, what do you think would happen to a rugby player who behaves the way Diego Costa behaves there is a good reason why you don't tend to find these types of players in rugby
5: well what, uh, sorry now but I mean what exactly are we talking about here with Diego Costa like is, is it he throws his weight around a little and he mads off at people mm. is that what we're talking about he, he, he's not exactly the worst blight on a sport that I've ever come across I mean, what well, you're well, actually talking—no one's saying he's, he's the worst player yeah. in the sport. But, but what you're basically—what if you're a manager of an opposing team? It's pretty easy to prepare yourself for what Diego Costa does, and it's completely up to you how Diego, how much of an influence Diego Costa has on on a game. It's completely up to you and your team. It's not something that's out of that's out of your remit. Hmm. It's like the guy's going to annoy you. He's going to be very physical. If you're playing centre half, you're probably going to get a couple of elbows in the head. But I mean, it's you know, it's not that underhand. It's pretty much out there. It's you know, there's enough vines on the internet for you to pass a day and a half yeah. watching Diego Costa highlights. I mean, what's you know, what 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 is the, the, the great danger that Diego Costa holds for you if you're an opposing player?
0: Well, it's not I suppose he doesn't really hold I mean you don't know what way he is gonna annoy you. You don't yeah. know what form that's going to take. Um you know, and it, and it's. I think people can be sort of cut off balance, taken by surprise. You know, not everyone necessarily has the kind of the Jordan Henderson rabbit stare to fall back on. Uh, sometimes people can't help getting annoyed. You know, when he, when he does uh, certain things. I mean, in terms of whether he's a, a blight on the sport, you know. I mean, Arsenal were obviously angry because they felt that he had robbed the game from them by he was disgusting. getting so, their players involved.
5: Did used use the word disgusting yeah, in yeah. relation to a player managing to provoke a reaction from a stupid player of his?
0: Well, he's saying it's, it's unsportsmanlike. It's got no place in the game. I mean, you don't, I don't think that you actually, Mourinho was saying, oh, I go to see rugby because he seems to be conflating the fact that rugby is quite violent. With the fact that you know, a, oh, uh, you know, in rugby, a player like Diego Costa would be celebrated. No, he wouldn't. In rugby, a player like Diego Costa would be trampled on. You know what I mean? That's why you can't do what he does. You well, actually can't. You can't provoke people like that in rugby because they, they can take your head off.
5: Giant front rows pat each other on the head patronisingly every time you can see they uh, uh, penalty is won at a scrum.
0: These guys don't have Diego Costa's talent for what he's doing. You know, if there was one. He would have been weeded out of the game yeah. long ago. I'm
5: just, I'm just I'm going to say that Diego Costa's talent is overrated. Yeah. I mean, he managed to find someone who speaks Portuguese yesterday yeah. and got him sent off. <laughs> but I mean, if you're like, you know, if you're um, Chris Smalling, you know, what's Diego Costa's, uh, you know, command of the English language isn't so rapier sharp yeah. that he'll be able to say the exact precise series of words designed to push Chris Molling's buttons. I mean, I think we have a fair idea what you could say, you know, the, Hen- the Henrik Larson basically wind-up uh, uh, yeah. scenario. That's basically what we're talking about here, yeah. when English isn't a guy's first language. Let's I mean, get
0: into sh- Kennedy's report on sport. He did, uh, I think, have a go at Seamus Coleman once. Remember that? Yeah. Coleman didn't really react.
1: Danny Baker says, is a shitty, desperate little pest, summing up Britain's most loathed, creepy squad. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Baker said a load of these I, I was just uh, scrolling through that to try to find one or two of them, he was sending a load of these uh, anti-Diego Costa, but, but which did sum up, I says Chelsea fans pretending to love Costa are just uh, embarrassed, I mean if you love that anti-hero stuff, why not just go to wrestling
0: Well this is the thing, I mean this is you know, I mean Wenger when he moans and, and bitches about it, obviously has um, you know, an expedient sort of purpose for doing that, in that let's all talk about Diego Costa and not, you know, why I and my team are such losers Right, which is which, I think was really what that game was all about. You know, forget about Diego Costa for a minute. But when he, well, you know, that's that's if you're to be cynical about what Arsenal Wenger is doing. But if if he were to take him at face value or or give him the benefit of the doubt and say no, Arsenal Wenger is actually sincere, what's he complaining about? He's complaining about a guy who is playing a sport. This is supposed to be a sport, who has absolutely none of the um, kind of values of sportsmanship. Uh, the kind of integrity that you're supposed to bring. You know, I mean, this is, it, it depends on people behaving a certain way, or, you know, it's, it's a kind of a structured activity. People are supposed to abide by certain rules and conventions in order to prevent the whole thing from degenerating into a fight.
1: But Eric Cantona was glorified for same. Cantona kind of kicks the crap out of a fan. It's like, Ugh, yeah,
0: yeah. After getting sent off, of course, for stamping on a guy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Roy Keane, to a certain extent, was glorified for uh, not for breaking down those conventions. And yeah, kicking people when he felt they deserved
0: it. And he, you know, I think he was an unpopular player for night because like, people react badly to this. It's like, well, look, well, that's Keane, not, well, you're Keane, missing a point in yeah. the game. Keane you know? was
1: an unpopular player, obviously among other sports. Cantona has this. R- there's this weird reverence attached to him now that, uh, this, you know, I don't know if it's revisionism, I'm trying to remember exactly how he was viewed at the time by fans of other clubs, but now As he's, a lunatic. Yeah, as a lunatic, but was he hated? I don't know if he uh, was Everyone hated was delighted
0: that he got banned because he kept scoring, you know, goal every couple of games and winning games consistently for Manchester United. So when he was out for nine months, a lot of people were saying, yeah, he should be kicked out of English football. Remember, remember when Alex Ferguson, <laughs> remember Alex Ferguson said Luis Suarez should never play for Liverpool again? It was that kind of thing. The point I think we're making is that Costa isn't exactly
1: unique in what he's doing.
5: Yeah, I mean he's not showing a massive amount of imagination. i mean, if you if you turned up in a superhero movie and he was the bad guy, you'd say there's not a lot of originality there. Yeah. You know, it's this is all stuff that we've They've seen gone before. Straight
0: to the, the sort it's of like page of-
5: one, chapter one of the anti hero. Yeah. So what what we need our guy to do, right? Is throw his weight around and talk smack a bit. That's and that's basically it. Yeah. that's not really for me, Ken that's not really top class anti-hero behaviour
0: yeah, so there needs to
5: be a wrinkle there somewhere
0: yeah, there, there has to be he's not I mean uh, I, the problem I would have with him is I don't think he's really doing enough at the moment I mean he, the other thing about him besides being obnoxious he looked fat you know in the game I thought that, was, that was probably more of a problem from Chelsea's point of view it's like how did Diego Costa get so big all of a sudden why? You know, he's he's like a fridge lumbering around trying to control the ball. This isn't good. Mm. You know, I mean, he didn't score. Uh, you know, Diego Costa used to be able used to score. That that was that was the main contribution he was making. to Chelsea he scored a ton of goals. What's happened to him? What? Why is why is that stopped happening? And it's not just this season. It's last season. The second half of last season too. And I don't know. I mean, maybe he's he he's getting a little bit too wrapped up in his little. Um, wars and vendettas, and it's kind of distracting him from what he's supposed to be there to do. I mean, remember he came from Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid, um, a team who I think also have a tendency to sort of succumb to the dark side a little bit. They get too, uh, they just get too involved in it. It distracts them from what they're really supposed to be doing. And, you know, I mean, Mourinho is obviously saying this is great. You know, this is he's a, he's a competitor. He's like the All Blacks. Uh, that's what people are paying to see. That's the way the game has to be played. That's not the way the game has to be played. It's not the way it should be played. And ultimately, it will be, I think, more damaging to Diego Costa and to Chelsea if he keeps doing it, which he obviously will. All right. In non Diego Costa related news. Okay. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Arsene mean? Wenger obviously having a big go at Mike Dean. You know, I mean, it is. You know, there's plenty of managers having goes at referees uh, over the um, over the weekend. They should they should remember that when they get annoyed about when they get criticised themselves, you know what I mean? We know when, when when Wenger is walking through a train station and the fans are shouting things like, you know, Wenger out, and uh, save yourself, Joel Campbell. Get out while you still can. And Wenger's there with this kind of wounded dignity, you know, walking through. And everyone's like, oh, isn't it terrible the way Arsene Wenger gets, you know, slated by those oiks? Well... Just, just think back to what he had to say about Mike Dean. He's completely trashed Mike Dean, really. In the, you know, he's 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 not exactly said he's not fit to referee in so many words, but that's basically what he's saying. And, you know, it, it it is very easy for them to attack referees in this way. I mean, Mike Dean. The fact is, Diego Costa very rarely gets sent off. He's very he's he's clever at what he's doing. Mike Dean didn't see it. He wasn't probably the only one. And, I don't know. Um, you know, I think a lot of people might might be pointing this and going, well, it looks, it looks very much like the same Arsenal season that we've had for a long time. Still wouldn't be surprised if they got into the Champions League, you know? Arsenal, capable of winning six or seven games in a row against bad teams. They've always been able to do and that's how they always kind of get into the top four. But uh, it looks as though my prediction of them winning the title this season it don't, don't was a bad prediction. No, don't
1: go with that just yet, Ken. Give yourself a chance.
0: Um... But anyway, where are we? Uh, There's a couple of other things. Oh, the the other thing, yeah. I mean, Mourinho did, that was his other thing. It wasn't just defending us. It was also attacking Arsene Wenger and saying, uh, I like every player from Arsenal. I tell you, if one of their players is a free agent and they don't want him, I will get every single one. I like all of their players. They have the squad to be champions every season, I feel that. Uh, But for some reason, they never seem to be able to put it together. Maybe the problem is that Chelsea need to sell them a key attacking player in the way that they've done with both Manchester United and indirectly Manchester City. We saw Kevin De Bruyne score his first goal for City, a nice goal. Uh, Not enough to get them any points, though, because Slavin Bilic's team with West Ham uh, have now beaten Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester City all the way from home. Um, Bilic's quote was, uh, he said, It's like when you walk into a pub full of girls. Of course you are going to like it. Uh, this is when you beat, um, yeah.
1: Profound uh, quote there from Slavin Village. When you come
0: to a pub that is full of girls, you will like it, (laughs) says Slavin Village, uh, who, yeah, needs to start out the home form. But again, that's another one. We were talking about him earlier in the season uh, with Jacob Steinberg, um, who was at that stage a little bit worried. Well, it seems as though a wife form at least is good. Um, As it is for Manchester United, we're going to be talking about that game in a bit more detail with Paul Doyle, who was there, to see them beat Southampton 3-2. Um, Louis van Hal talking about uh, Anthony Martial, who scored two goals. I mean, and he's scoring these goals, which are like, you the, know...
1: Yeah, a little mini Cruyff turn in the box to shake off a defender, and then it's a lot at home.
0: How much time does this guy think he has? <laughs> a lot.
1: Yeah, creates a lot for himself, yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, the second goal was, was just as impressive, I thought, because, you know, I mean, admittedly, he, okay, he's played in by a bad back pass, but, you know, he just... Like no fuss, he's like, "All right, this is this is gonna be easy," and uh, just side foots it in. There are,
1: yeah, I think they if you if you're a Man United supporter and you could pick the types of goals you want to see your striker. New striker scoring, score, it,
0: it's those ones because
1: they're the ones that the strikers who are just off the very top level will miss. The ones you have time to think about. Yeah. Whereas if he's tapping them in, that's that's fine. Everyone should be able to tap them in.
0: Very 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 promising start. Uh, Van Hal saying uh, when you're 19 years old, you can't expect any consistency. Mostly, they have a lot of dips. That's a big problem. Uh, although Van Hal is a, is a manager who's, you know, had great success with young players before. A good manager for young players tells them exactly what he wants them to do. And, uh, uh, you know, usually, it usually works. A more experienced player might say, well, you know, I usually do it this way. And that's when they end up falling out. Mm-hmm. But uh, it looks like Anthony Marshall uh, gets it, um, at least from, from what Lee Van Hal wants him to do. Uh, also talking about David De Gea, Van Hal... Uh, who De Gea made a great save from Font. Um, uh, you know Van Al said I thought it was a goal. It's amazing. So it's it's kind of all coming up Manchester United at the moment, which is pretty remarkable. You know, I mean they uh, they uh, their, their signing turns out not to be you know David Bellion or one of these types of guys, but actually a, a kind of a cold-eyed predator who's immediately scoring goals in the Premier League. I mean, who nobody does this really. You know who. Who can you think of who's, who's managed to come in and do that? You know, I, mean, I remember Ruvan Nisroy scored a couple of goals in his debut. Diego Costa, that's true. Although Diego Costa wasn't 19, you know what I mean? When Diego Costa was 19, he was getting bounced around on loan between Spanish, tiny oh, yeah. Spanish clubs. Oh, no, a player that
1: age, I, I can't remember. Anyone have that sort of impact?
0: Uh, and then De Gea not only staying, but signing a new contracts, um, which, which I think has to at least contain the possibility that he will stay there longer term beyond the season. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, good. I suppose they had a very good last day of the transfer window when you look back at it in, in hindsight. Anyway, um, that's all. Uh, that's all that we will talk to Paul Doyle about that, that's as it. I said. I just want to mention also oh, yeah. Brendan Rogers' own. Uh, I don't think it's going to be long now, actually. Um, Before he leaves the club. I don't think it's going to be long. I think, uh, I think he's got some serious problems there now. I mean, it's just nothing really works anymore. You know, I mean, you could look at the game the other day and say, well, you know, how can you blame this on Brandon Rogers when it's clear that Daniel Sturridge should score, that Philippe Coutinho should score, uh, that, you know, they, they've wasted the chances, that's a game they should have won. Rogers can't score these goals for them, you know. But I think it's, you know, when you, the season started so badly for them now. I mean, a couple of kind of general results. The fact that they can't seem to score doesn't really matter who they, who's out there. Um, uh, and Rogers talking about anxiety at home. He's not quite saying, you know, the the home fans are not helping us with their, you know, giving us a little bit of attitude there. But, you know, there was booze at the end and so on. And it just seems as though uh, he's... It's like they've completely run out of energy, uh, run out of momentum. It's like there's there's a big squad there of players who don't really know each other. The team hasn't really emerged. What's the team going to be? Who who are the players who are going to stay here and, and be the part of the next couple of years? Who are the players who are who are going to be bounced on? You know, next summer. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's. It's, it's like entropy has, has just completely dissolved whatever used to be in this Liverpool team. I, I don't think it's going to be too long, but we'll wait and see.
1: That's it for Kennedy's Report on Sport. Dion Fanning of the Sunday note was at the what uh, was there to witness Diego Costa's antics at the weekend Dion was it how we're kind of debating about how good or otherwise he is at getting away with what he does here I mean was it obvious from the press box what Costa was doing
3: well it was it was clear that he was doing you know what what you kind of always expect Diego Costa to be doing which is niggling and and being a, a, a pain uh, I don't know. Like I, I didn't see the, I didn't see the, the like the, clearly initially the the, the swipe of Koscielny, uh and and things you know, and, and the actual detail of the incident. I did see uh, Gabriel uh, flick his foot up at him, um, and I think most of the crowd, on, on, certainly on that side, saw saw it too. And you kind of you knew there was there was the minute you saw the foot go up like that, you knew he he had, he had bitten, uh, and there was a general sense then that this. I, I felt on Saturday there was a kind of. It was a turning point in some ways for, for Costa, and, and not necessarily in the good sense. I think it's why Mourinho probably talked to you know, talked about him being the man of the match. I think uh, everybody has been aware of this, but for him to to get away with it so blatantly on Saturday and to actually you know result in in the player he had been provoking getting sent off, there was a sense of uh, of um, um, kind of, being, sort of sort of turning into a kind of a, a marked man, and I think referees now having. Being conned so blatantly on Saturday uh, will probably go the other way because that's kind of what referees do. Is kind of human nature, and I think you know every. I was listening. You know, I was working in the press box after the game, and people doing their radio reports, and every you know so many of them. You just heard the words, you know, Costa, the wind-up merchant, and uh, it's kind of you know that's what's going to stick now, and I think referees are going to be going to be looking at that.
0: Yeah, I mean sometimes it's just no doubt what the narrative is. It's like David Cameron and the pig, you know. There's just. There just isn't really any other story um, uh, at times.
3: Uh, But, I mean, in the case... Good good, good way of inserting that story into the Diego Costa debate.
0: (laughs) Why moving swiftly on from it again? Do you you think... Well, the the question with Diego Costa, the sort of dilemma with him is, is this stuff that he does actually... um, is it is it kind of part of a Machiavellian strategy to help his team win the game? Or is there just something wrong with him? I mean, I, in this instance I think getting Gabriel sent off in the first half probably did help Chelsea win the game. But is it um is it worth having in the team? I mean, is this a player who, who um you know, would you have him in your team? Do you think that he's he he does more bad than good or vice versa?
3: Well, put it this way, I'd have him in my team as centre forward before I'd have Theo Walcott in my team as centre forward. Uh, and I think that's, I think, I, I know what you're saying and I didn't think, you know, I didn't think he played particularly well on, on Saturday. Um, and I, I, Arsenal are sort of the perfect opponents for Chelsea, even Chelsea in, in a, you know, whatever kind of crisis Chelsea are in, Arsenal will always apparently be in a worse crisis. And uh, I think they were the perfect opponents for him because he, he could, um, he could go to the edge, you know, he, 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 he I, I thought it was disappointing in a way. That nobody, um, no other, no Arsenal player took Gabriel away from from uh, at that point in the in the kind of walk from the from the box to the centre circle. There wasn't someone just kind of you know staying between them, uh, and you saw that that kind of lack of leadership in Arsenal. And again, you know at half time, not one Arsenal player. Maybe that maybe they're very disciplined. And Wenger talked afterwards about how it's important to keep your control. Maybe they're very disciplined, and they decided that you know there's no point in in kind of. Tangling with Costa, but I think in that situation, you want the referee to know that he's he's there's been a, there's been an injustice, and the fact that he Costa walked off the pitch uh, as if he was just completing kind of a Sunday afternoon stroll, there wasn't one Arsenal player around him uh, trying to get him to react again, and I, I felt you know if you, if you compare what Costa does to what Arsenal do, I think you would you would take what what Costa does, but. I, again, there are. There are. It may. It may switch now. It may. You know. It may turn that he, he becomes uh, somebody who gets. You know, he hasn't been sent off. He was sent off in Europa League match three years ago. I think it's the last time he was sent off. Um, and it and may, it may switch now if he starts serving suspensions because he's not Luis Suarez. Certainly not at the moment. He's not that kind of player who's so brilliant that you you think, well, he's he, he's kind of on the edge. But you get all his brilliance. at the moment with Costa. You just get the edge.
2: Mm.
1: He is, that edge though is almost as watchable as uh, Luis Suarez was in its way. It's Jose Mourinho's argument and the tone seemed to be at the press conference afterwards. Look, come on, guys. You're asking me all these questions. We're all in this together. We all, we're all we all getting paid out of this Premier League monster and guys like Diego Costa helped to build the brand here. So, you know, lay off.
3: Yeah, well, Diego Costa according to Mourinho was essentially responsible for the global popularity of the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, and yes, it was also... He yeah, at the same time, there was it was it was rugby that Mourinho kind of cited as as a, as a great game where you you didn't have this nonsense of people looking for players to be uh, retrospectively um, suspended, although you probably do. Uh, and you know, people just were committed. And uh, Mourinho talked, you know, how he was so he was looking forward to going to see the All Blacks play on uh, yesterday, uh, and this was a you know as if this was a real game where you know men like Diego Costa would be appreciated um but clearly you know in his analysis the premier league is also where diego costa should be appreciated and um, and he is watchable and i and i like it was a kind of an extraordinary uh end to the half um and what was what was kind of inevitable about it too was the minute the minute gabriel was sent off you knew what was going to happen next he you know costa had won the game for chelsea in, in, in that incident, um, even though the you know it was still scoreless, there was there was there was a total inevitability that to, what was going to happen next. Yeah,
0: I mean, Arsene Wenger obviously did did his best to try and get drag Costa into as much trouble as possible, but by doing that, he also uh, avoided the issue of having to talk about his own team. I mean, this is a Chelsea beating Arsenal two 0 with a with a set piece goal and a deflection? This could literally be a, be any Chelsea Arsenal game. I mean, this is always what happens in these games. And he's got a serious problem um, in that it's just the same thing keeps happening. I mean, it's it's you you expect Arsenal to lose these games, and you expect them to lose them this kind of meek, embarrassingly meek way.
3: Yeah, and you expect them to find a way to lose. That's the thing. They always you know, no matter how how well they're doing, uh, you kind of think they will find a way to lose. And I I thought that was kind of what the, the sort of you know, the walk-off at half time revealed, really, was that the Arsenal players were left in the pitch and knew it was over. Um, and, you know, talking about how Arsenal do that is becoming so repetitive because it, it never changes. And I, I didn't think it would change on, on Saturday. You know, I thought, especially having lost in midweek, as well, Arsenal will, will come, uh, as they often do, after uh, a kind of humiliating defeat or a big defeat. And they, their limit of their ambitions will be... Uh, a nil nil or a you know to lose <laughs> to lose well it was kind of a perfect way for them to lose on Saturday to lose with a sense of injustice and to feel that you know if if the referee had been doing his job properly, uh, everything would have been different but i, I, I think i mean we we won't, we don't know, but i uh, you know history would tell you that a precedent would tell you that if Arsenal hadn't lost that way they would have they would have lost some other way
1: yeah Dion brilliant stuff. thanks for meeting
3: thanks Alan. thanks Ken
1: yeah Dion. Talking, hinting at something that you mentioned earlier on as well, Ken. That Arsenal, in a way, it's ideal for them that they get to lose with this sense of injustice. Mm. Uh, L- Wenger has something to rail against, uh, other than the inadequacies of his own squad.
0: Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a. It's just boring. You know, it's like David is saying there. It's boring. It's like what can what more can you say about this? Everyone knows this keeps happening. Nothing ever changes. Boring. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, they do have a couple of little issues there. Like little Alexi Sanchez, is their dirty little secret at the moment? What's happened to him? Ten go, ten games without a goal. It's a bizarre run considering how brilliant he was. Uh, you know, at the beginning of last season, all the way more or less through last season, he obviously then went and played in the Copa America as well and played really well in that and won it with uh, Chile. So he played. You know, he's had a. I remember he he was playing in the World Cup the previous summer. So he's kind of been yeah. going for a long time without a break. Yeah. I mean, everyone needs to look at Luis Suarez. I mean. That guy has managed to have a few little breaks for himself. Um, he's, had a, he's had a couple of extended summers. Um, he's had time off from international football. And he is absolutely champing at the bit every time I see him. To, uh, to make an impact. He never runs out of energy but that's because he does uh, take a lot of rest. So I don't know what Alexis Sanchez needs to do here but maybe it's to be expected that he's uh, going to undergo a bit of a dip. The question is how long it's going to last.
1: Paul Doyle of The Guardian uh, joins us now Paul uh, to talk a little bit about the Manchester United game which you were at and the performance of Anthony Martial who we were talking about his finishing earlier. It's, it's the calmness of uh, his finishing under pressure is ridiculously impressive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, Van Hal had a nice line afterwards. He said he, he has great talent and he can show it under pressure, which is perhaps his greatest talent of all. And and that kind of summed it up well. That that is the most striking thing about him so far. It it is the composure and and clinical nature of his finishing, despite being only 19 and thrust into the spotlight uh, at this early stage. I mean, his goal yesterday came about because of defensive mistakes, um, but he still finished them uh, really well.
0: Paul, you follow French football fairly closely. Did you have any expectation that Anthony Marcel was going to make this kind of impact?
2: I can't say that I thought he was going to score, you know, three goals in his first two games. But I definitely thought it was a good signing. That for, for me, uh, the, the fee is irrelevant because I don't, I don't understand um, when when um, a huge amount of money represents uh, value or not. To be honest, but I knew I knew he'd do well at United. I don't, I can't say at this stage whether he's going to um, sustain this over the course of his first full season in English football, uh, where he won't have a win. To break, for example, which is something he hasn't been used to, and bearing in mind that he's only had one full season in in French football, um, but but he, he everyone can see already the qualities that he has, and and he's probably given Wayne Rooney's troubles. He's, he's United's best striker, and if he, if he does. Continue in, the, in this vein, there's a good chance that he'll be leading the line for France uh, at the Euros on home soil.
0: Yeah, I mean, we get, we get to Rooney, but I mean, the comparison that people keep making with Marcel is obviously Thierry Henry. Um, he's a lot better than Thierry Henry was when he was 19. I, I don't remember Thierry Henry finishing clinically like that when he was 19. He, he figured out how to do it, but he wasn't doing it when he was Marcel's age.
2: No, that's absolutely true, and um, I, th- I think it's more powerful than Thierry Henry was at that age as well. And that's something that uh, Claudio Ranieri, who who was his manager at Monaco for a while, and was and, and took a while to to trust him into the first team. Admittedly, because Radamel Falcao was there, and given the amount of money they spent on him, they they had to. Play him and he did well um, but but it, the one, he kept on insisting on on the, the need to bulk up so that he could um, uh, be effective in the duels as he used to say um, and that will obviously serve him well in the Premier League because it, he certainly hasn't looked uh, lightweight so far has he?
1: He hasn't. You mentioned Rooney there Paul and when Van Persie first signed for Man United and had that amazing season there was always this dynamic at play that certainly looked as though there was maybe a bit of discomfort on Rooney's side being outshone at times by Van Persie and I suppose he's seen him off if that's the way professional footballers think uh, does Rooney have to get used to the idea maybe of playing second fiddle to this guy?
2: Uh, yes. <laughs> um, oh, but can he, get uh, you,
1: can he get used to the idea of playing second fiddle to this guy given his, his uh, sort of need to be the main man?
2: Well, I, he may have to play um, worse than second fiddle. At, at the moment, you'd have to say that he's lucky to be in the starting 11, let alone uh, um, pl- uh, taking Martial's place, if you like. Uh, I mean, he, he looks, and he has looked for a while. Even, I know yesterday he was just coming back from a hamstring injury, so you can cut him some slack there because he was completely irrelevant in the game. But that that is uh, an increasing phenomenon. that has him for for, you could almost say, for 12 months or more. Uh, he he's on the wane. He, he, looking at him yesterday, you felt the way some people uh, feel when they see Madonna in a leotard. You, you wonder why are you still doing this? Uh, he, he could almost he almost looks a bit like Robbie Keane when when he plays against top opposition. You think he's almost ready for the MLS. He just he, he looked off. He was off the pace. His touch is gone, um, and and uh, he, he, uh, he he needs to get it back sharpish, I wouldn't write him off just yet, he's, he's only 29, but um he's got a lot to prove.
0: Paul, uh, the third goal was this, um, I suppose, uh, exhibition of what Louis van Gaal wants to see from his team, 44 passes, moving very, very slowly up the field uh, from their own half, eventually crossing halfway, moving up to the final third. And then suddenly scoring a goal, Evan Hall says this is the way that you can dominate games. It is a style that nobody's really uh, managed to make work in the Premier League yet. Is uh, Van Hall's Manchester United going to be the first team to manage that?
2: Uh, I I think you'd have to require more evidence than than yesterday's match. Obviously that was a very good goal. It it came at a time when Southampton were completely deflated as a result of the the stupid goals that they had conceded. And and they kind of... As Ronald Koeman said afterwards, that he, that they kind of surrendered for a, for a brief period. And, and so they relaxed the tempo to, to, uh, uh, and stopped their frantic press, press, pressing, which had caused United such trouble in the opening half-hour when, when United were the ones who couldn't cope with the pace. When the pace dropped to a level where United could stroke it around like that, then they did it very effectively. And, um, and the pie found a nice little incisive touch at the end with with that last feint that, that uh, threw, I think it was Van Dijk or Font, uh, before he shot against the post. But um, as I said, that was against a, a deflated team, against um, teams that are, that are still very much in the game. It remains to be seen whether United can do that.
0: I mean, Southampton have one win in six at the start of the season, so it looks as though they couldn't really... I mean, it's difficult for any team to cope with losing players, uh, but maybe the players... Maybe Morgan Schneider is more important than Adam Lallana, it turns out.
2: Yeah, he's a really b- very important player for him and, and was for many years. The, the guy who they bought to replace him, Jordi ha hasn't featured yet because he's been injured. Um, so that's obviously a problem. Um, but when Classy comes in and, and plays alongside Wanyama, maybe, maybe they can g- get that back. They've also got other important players to come back from injury, notably uh, Ryan Berkland, who who... Could be back next week, actually, for the game against Swansea. Um, and he and Daniel Klein were, were really big parts of their attacking as well as their defending last season because they both roared down the flanks. Um, so he, he'll be a, a big boost when he comes back, as will the keeper and other players. Um, there's they're still there's positives. Uh, I thought Saggio Mane was brilliant yesterday, uh, exactly what United could have done with behind the, the, the striker. And um, so so I think that they'll, they'll be fine and will improve on their record of 1-6 and six.
1: Shane Long only got on for the last 15 minutes Paul and plays a lot of the time in the right hand side which maybe isn't ideal at this stage of his career when we're always waiting for him to I, I don't know be, become the polished finisher uh, which he will never become at this stage I mean he's, he's probably too far into his career does he look like he's a fish out of water there or is that a little bit harsh?
2: Um, I, I think he has a role to play, but but as I say, he's not a polished finisher. Uh, he's not particularly brilliant technically in any regard, but but he does bring huge dynamism and speed, and he can unhinge defenses with general uh, nuisance value. I, I I think he's I think I've called him the Irish Emil Hesky in the past, and and uh, there is an element of that about his game. So that, that that's a function that he can play, and uh, and Koeman does value him highly. Uh, as the transfer fee that the page showed. Um but but he won't be a regular starter for them. Alright, well oh, brilliant stuff, so thanks William. Good. Cheers, buddy.
4: See if you don't get this out a result with mother will. You're away, mate. Your bags and your desk, boom. Your bags and your desk boom. I mean it!
5: I'm fucking raging! Speaking through my
1: heart! Who would I want in? I've got my Teddy in. And...
0: Mr Tate, how you doing?
5: Not too so good after tonight. You got the job on the technicality of a legend who recommended you. Take no beat, take no beat, take no beat, take no beat, take no beat. Just so it's don't try to get so deep. You know me, but I can't no beat, I can't no beat, I can't no beat, I can't no beat, I can't no beat. You have lost the fans tonight, you don't deserve the fans. Listen to fans! Doesn't it fucking work, wouldn't it? You are nothing, you are a fool, and you are a waste of time. Good night.
4: Oh, the Gannis book are echo stuff. Get
5: a grub! the biggest fool in Manchester.
1: Well, can Shane Long the Irish Emil Heskey?
4: Um,
0: well... Emil Heskey wasn't bad for periods. I Emil mean, Heskey, you could say, is probably oh, a bit better than Shane Long. That's,
5: that's how we're attacking this, oh. rather than... Uh, well, you know, I, mean, I was kind of taking the optimistic route there, that we're, we were going to, you know, side with our guy there. Well,
1: Emil Heskey's very different, though. The, the big issue with Emil Heskey, the reason he became something of a joke figure, was that he was so devoid of aggression for a big striker. He's a big guy, his touch was okay. He could when he was in the mood, he could bundle people over and actually the odd time looked like a, a player could score a few goals. But a lot of time he looked like he just didn't it's like a big Theo Walcott, you know? Just a really big, nice guy. Um,
0: Two
5: Theo Walcott, I suppose.
0: Um yeah, well I mean I think I think Walcott is probably a little bit better Oh yeah, no
1: I just mean in terms of mentality Walcott also maybe is criticised for not having the killer instinct I never quite understand that with Walcott actually but I think it exists All I can, s- all like
0: I can say that. on is that having a quick look at the statistics between Emil Hesky and Shane Long yep. and bearing in mind Emil Hesky had a, had a very long career is he still has he actually retired yet? Oh come on He may still no, be on the go in Australia he, he or something He was
5: playing a game last, last year really? uh, Yeah, this, it came as a massive surprise I think he is in the A-League though. Yeah
0: But um, he Shane Long is on course To more or less Exactly match If he manages to play The same number of games As Emilewski Which is say 750 odd He at, at his current rate of scoring And keep that up They will end up Pretty much neck and neck I think it's a It's a pretty good marker It's a pretty good, <laughs> good marker for, Where Yeah
1: Emilewski plays for Bolton Bolton Wanderers. Really? After seemingly settling for an easier life down under, Emil Heskey changed his mind and returned home. The Bolton striker tells Pete Hall, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah, Blackburn nil, Bolton nil. Emil Heskey goes close late on in the 87th minute. Went close, didn't quite score. Uh, That was
0: 28 of August 2015. Heskey has played six games for Bolton this season. He is uh, actually only 37. So, you know, uh, he's always been a good athlete. And uh, he's still going strong. So, sorry for... for, uh, we're missing that,
1: did you want to mention this doping story in doping and football story that emerged over the weekend?
0: Yeah, and th- this was uh, picked up in a few places. Um, it's reported in the Sunday Times and also in Germany by ARD and WDUR. Um, which is that UEFA commis- commissioned a report. Uh, Into some of the uh, 879 urine samples given by players, uh, mainly in the Champions League and Europa League, finding that 7.7% of them registered uh, suspicious levels of testosterone. Okay. Um, UEFA are saying this study doesn't present any scientific evidence of potential doping in football, especially due to the presence of confounding factors, the lack of standardization procedures among the 12 labs, and the quantification of steroid profiles when the samples were collected. So. They're basically saying, doesn't prove anything. However, it does suggest that maybe something's going on there. There was a, a piece by Stephen Hunt in the Sunday independence where he, uh, he just made the point, you know, I remember when I was a lad, I uh, used to go down to, with Kevin Doyle to do a little bit of extra work in the gym. And at the time, that made me feel really good because nobody else was doing that. And I felt every time I went down to the gym that I was kind of stealing a march on my competitors. And this was going to give me a little bit of an edge. It made me feel good about myself. Now, when I see those little lads, every single one of them is doing extra gym work. That's kind of just the new normal. That's what you've got to do. So if that's the new normal, how are you going to get an edge? And he kind of leaves that question hanging there. But I think everybody can understand the implication. That's it for
1: the Irish Times second captain's football podcast. We will have uh, another football final special out a little bit later on. We're going to be talking about the rugby as well. Of course, Ken was there to witness South Africa being beaten by Japan in one of the greatest sporting events of all time. Well, uh, w- a, a well chosen yep. A well-chosen little... Uh, uh, Little fixture there by Ken, uh, so we'll talk about all that in the other podcast, and also Ireland's win over Canada. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, Karen.
5: Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Kenny.
0: Thank you, Karen.
1: Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at secondcaptainsfacebook.com forward slash second captains. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> it's gone, it's the second time it has gone off. They never go home.
2: They never go home. They never go home. Those
0: those